Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a nutrition professor, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Rob Fortress Fortney here, uh, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder and strength training enthusiast powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, founder of LiftForHope.org and StrengthGuild.com, uh, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and I wish my voice on radio was as sexy as Rob's. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> um, today on the line we have with us John Davies. John, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Nice to have a chance to talk with you all. Yeah. Um, just jump in. We'll do a short interview with you real quick. Why don't you um, tell us how you got started in here for people that aren't aren't familiar you with you. Give the elevator speech? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, my work is, uh, uh, is predominantly uh, within the exercise industry as uh, I'm a developer of training systems, uh, for the lack of better terms. I coach coaches and develop systems that uh, have a really, a, quite honestly, a stunning record of success in uh, real-world applications. I mean that, and that's a very important standpoint of it. Um, so my career uh, that has you know, spent quite a few years is really of coaching coaches, developing systems that are put in place. And I think that's a, uh, an extremely important thing when you look at the topic of our discussion today because there's not a, there's not a lot of people who look at training systems uh, and the theories behind them as opposed to the selling of them. Gotcha. Does that, that make sense? No, that, that makes sense totally, yeah. Um, here's, here's kind of a generic question that we... we kind of enjoy to ask anybody how, how did you first I'm get kind of, started I'm kind of scary i'm kind of scared after the sexy rob voice thing as far as it's a generic question <laughs> i'm not putting the video on yeah there you go no it's it's very generic and how, how you got started in fitness in general as a young a young person or you know did you have a background in sports as a child or, or what was it? you know the the, the really the, the truth of the matter is um exercise uh, the, the notion of being an exercise, a sport coach, wasn't really a goal of mine uh, starting out, but it is something that evolved quite naturally. And as I've told people, one of the problems that I had in sport was the fact that, and it's interesting because, you know, years later people have said that I, you know, one of the early forefront, people at the forefront of functional training, whatever you want to call that, um, in the fact that I was trained to train. And that brought up a very interesting point because, you know, as a young athlete, after suffering a, a, a bad, really, uh, injury, um, I started to look at what, how, what my preparation was of. And after analyzing it, I really came up with this, both the theories that my entire career has been based upon, but the idea, the fact that I'm merely training to train. And many years later, uh, 
both I've seen that seen that general theory brought into the functional training sect. Unfortunately, not brought in correctly, uh, but it's also it, it's it's still a major problem in the exercise world, particularly that of the online community. How they dispel knowledge, how they you know throw out knowledge. How functional is training mechanisms, how they really relate to production in the field of competition, and for that matter, the field of life. And we're going to get on to that. Um, that would be I mean, a perfect it's a, place. It's a, for... it's a fascinating topic. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I mean, I, I've sat in rooms. I, I'll, I'll throw you one funny story. This is, you know, in the sense that I remember, and remember, I, I kind of failed the, you know, Carnegie idea of making friends and influencing people, that class. Um, I sat in this one seminar, I'm saying maybe five, ten years ago, and I asked a group of guys um, that, that are that are strength coaches, and it was, I'm sorry, it was within a football coaches seminar, how many of them worked on their off-season of getting their hands up, and this is being obviously to the offensive line coach and defensive line coaches, and unilaterally in probably six to eight hundred people in the room, uh, of which one quarter to one fifth were strength coaches. There wasn't a single hand that went up. Now at that stage, every offensive line coach was hoping that he would see his strength coaches put their hands up and they realized, so you guys just spent eight months of the off season, not doing something that the strength coach is going to, or the, the position coach is going to spend all day on through the season of trying to get his players to do how functional was your training? Yeah. Yeah. John, you're begging for it, and and so I'm just, I know we're pressed on time, so let's just take a short break, and then we're going to get to the topic, and just roll with it. Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians, and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there, like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www. Dot ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. Okay, everybody, we're back here, and again, we have John Davies on the line. And at the topic of the day is is functional training. What is functional? And John kind of uh, is known as the father of functional training, brought it to light. So, who better to have on the line? So, just tell us your definition. What what is functional training, and what's wrong with the word functional training nowadays and well yeah i mean as we all know uh this business is broken into a large group of sections there are those of us you know like many of the people that you interview um, and certainly on the phone right now who actually got involved with this business because we simply loved it we had no idea it was actually going to be a business we just loved doing it and what Functional, the idea of functional training, uh, you know, 
the funny thing about this is that everyone's put definitions on it, and probably the first time I started saying functional, it was because I'm a geek on architecture, and I, I, I would keep looking at things like Frank Lloyd Wright, who would analyze form and function. You know, when I would put out newsletters with, I can't even tell you what, you know, what the denomination of the stamp, how, how low it was, I would be talking of form and function. You know, I'd be sitting there typing that out on my Remington and, and discussing that. And it would have to do about improving the functionality uh, or that you're improving yourself so that your training is functional, that it relates to your sport and, for that matter, your life. We all know that in as you analyze teams, sports teams, that the people who typically stand at the top of the weight room charts, and this was very, very appropriate um, years ago, or applicable years ago, they were always your third teamers. Yet no one ever said, well, does that not mean there's something wrong with our testing mechanisms and our training mechanisms? The idea of functional training is that you're looking to enhance, you're, you're developing an individual that enhances performance in their field of competition. And obviously, that field of competition may be life. It is very, it's supposed to be a purposeful training measure, but as we look at most of the training today, not only did I have a much higher expectation of function, but for the most part, it's really missing the grade typically because you don't see necessarily athletes developing beyond what they conceived or they perceived as their possibility as they're merely getting better at series of exercises and filling the coffers of trainers who, you know, uh, really sh should be improving their education. John, are you telling me you're not a fan of the 225-pound bench press test for the NFL Combine? You know, I have got <laughs> somewhere, somewhere out there in the, I think it's called the Wayback When, you know, that part of the Internet where they've got all these things archived. I have tests that I do with teams. And the funny thing about this, before the NFL created this network, Everyone and his brother in the NFL would say, I don't want to go to Indianapolis this year. The test, the, the combine only means 20% of the drills, only 20% of our testing score. We can do this real easy. It's better to go to senior day if we can get up close to these kids and see what they're like and see what they're like on campus. Um, everyone, since the NFL put in this network, is rough, everyone and his brother has come up with these ideas, but none of it. You know, the tests that they do in the NFL Combine that you see reported have very little impact, but it, but it certainly doesn't make good content. And we, we, you, the four of us know what that means. Content in media to say, oh, yeah, the 40 means absolutely little. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't tell you anything. Okay, so, you know, Junior can go out and run a great 40 in perfect situations when he decides to go on his start. Oh, by the way, when do you go on your own start? in the NFL, and if you're an offensive lineman and you're pushing and you've got your hands on your chest and you're pushing a guy off that, um, he's already behind you, and you're actually yelling, doing the classic lookout block to the quarterback who isn't going to look the same if you if you can't get your hands in front of you. Those, te those tests, which came out of the, the 1960s, weren't done by people by athletic coach. They were just looked at by some really, like, legendary people in the NFL to develop a common grading system across the board because everyone knew it all came down to your film. Now what you've had, because, you know, in the 1990s, 
when you go out and prepare someone for the NFL draft, remember, there was not a lot of money in the game. There was, there was not a significant amount of money when you came out in draft day. Now, you, you, you're, there was only a few people doing this. Now what you've got are all sorts of people selling the idea, and particularly selling the idea to these kids, that if you improve your bench, you improve your 40, uh, your 40, you're going to be a better football player. And it may improve you, but it may have absolutely nothing to do with improving performance on the field, particularly in the fact that they, you know, they get kids confused that if you win the weight room chart, you're going to be a better player. Right? No, for sure. I mean, you're, I think that's a big fault everybody has. I mean, it, I'll just say it like me. Go ahead, Rob. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt. I'm just saying that I've kind of gone, swung back and forth when in, when in consideration of that that particular test. And certainly, I don't um, um, profess to know as much about NFL, um, you know, physical preparation as much as you seem to. But um, you know, I've I've heard the arguments both ways. But I've come to kind of under, I've come to think. And again, just just let me play devil's advocate here, okay? And I mean. Don't you think perhaps, though, um, even if it's lessened in its percentage of kind of its overall worth in football, and I can see where you're coming from as far as it not being, um, you know, totally transferable to, to, you know, the physical performance that they're actually, you know, asked to do on the field, but um, don't you think it, it would show at least uh, it's actually a good marker to show a degree of upper body strength and, and, and um, there, like, so stru- structural integrity, if nothing there, else? There's so many other w- better ways. In other words, I can, uh, uh, I'll keep the names out because obviously I've gotten clearance from them. Um, yeah, a number of years ago, you know, a team asked me to go out and, you know, work with this kid before the draft. And he was just, he was just, a, a, you know, he was just a stallion kicking in the stall, right? Great kid who was, you know, had the nicest person uh, off the field. And when he got on it, someone ugly, you know, came into his mind, right? And uh, he was written up. Uh, uh, he was written up, but not really considered to be a first day kind of guy. You know, in the early stages, I sat with him with a thirty pound med ball, and I said, "What I'd like you to do is throw it to me." And his bench was horrible. He was just a you know a farm bred kid. Was, his technique was horrible. It was awful, awful. And I gave him that thirty pound med ball, and he basically threw me through the wall. Right? This kid was strong as can be. Once you look at the tests, what we've done is because of, and a lot of it is because of the Internet, these kids know how the techniques of these movements down perfectly now, whereas, you know, five, ten years ago, technique was not really great. You get kids now who are studying, you're studying how to do a bench press now as opposed to learning how to, how opposed to taking a bar and letting it rip, right? And so if once you take your drill and you eliminate the motor, the motor challenges, and put another drill that has virtually uh, an extremely steep uh, 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 learning curve. So that's it. Here's a ball. Throw it. Whoever can throw it farther, sitting on their knees, you got a better bench press, right? You got a better shove. Uh, and that, to me, is one of the basics. The perfect example is looking because people don't analyze the 20s and the 40 splits, much less understand how, when you see, for instance, a wide receiver who is used to doing track drills, and this is, I, I used to speak about this a lot, you would see wide receivers who spend so much time doing track drills, you could see by their arm, shoulder, carriage action, they were used to running track. When it came down to running a pass route, you would look at, and there was a very famous defensive back years ago who played you know, into his 40s, and what he kept doing is giving younger guys more and more cushion. 
because it took them, and this is a phrase that you hear a lot, it took them so long to break down because they were so used to this arm action and a particular mechanism in their stride that you could not only push them off course if they were pushing out to a fade route or go, but when it came down to breaking down to make a hard cut or even a speed cut, it couldn't do it. So you could give a greater cushion and then close it down. So it's, it's, a, a, it's a fascinating area because you constantly have people who, who forget in sport that the functionality of it is to improve your level of performance on the field as opposed to focusing everything on the raw athleticism and then manifesting it you know, through a series of exercises. Yeah. In other words, you can, you, can see, you can see more on an athlete. If you want to see how an athlete you know, is in a testing day, don't go out and teach him how to do a – or show him, ask him how, what his uh, bench or his squat is. Go and say, okay, uh, what we're going to have here is some fun with Phil Hay today, and let's see how far you can throw this pole. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, raw athleticism where there is no skill set in learning it. I mean, you know, we've all, you know, I remember writing an article saying one time that I think by the time I've, if I counted up all the reps I've done in squats, I've got to be in a quarter of a million, right? I've kind of dialed into the movement, right? How much stronger, you know, uh, you know, I know the movement. I'm probably getting my training effect is probably very, very, my is very limited with a workout. This is what's happening with these kids. They're learning how to do the drills as opposed to becoming a better athlete. And the advantages that athletes have today is phenomenally better than someone 5, 10, 15 years ago. It's unbelievable, really. So let me, let me just, I want to read something here quickly, John. This will support some of what you're saying. I was, I was just doing a, 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 a scientific search really on functional training. And it's, here's what, here's what I come up with. They're going off in all of these directions, but this is from Journal of Strength Conditioning Research. So just bear with me. It's a 2004 paper. It's called Physical Characteristics that Predict Functional Performance in Division One College Football Players. And sure. it starts off like this. And again, I don't want to make this whole thing about football, but it's a good example, I think. It's a great example. Yeah, because it's so multifunctional. Uh, strength and conditioning professionals who work with collegiate football players focus much of their time and effort on developing programs to enhance athletic performance. Yeah. Although there has been much speculation, there is little scientific evidence to suggest which combination of physical characteristics actually predicts athletic performance in this population. So... Lots of speculation, and it looks to me like science is really trying to catch up. They go on in in this paper to talk about they're trying to look at how well things correlate. Um, Like they find that there were you know significant prediction abilities between like um, it says thirty six point six meter sprints or eighteen point three meter shuttle runs. But again, tons of speculation, and I, I think your point, John, is kind of the specificity of the actual function. People tend to just get so far away from that, and they're hoping for transferability from weight room type things. Is that what you're kind of saying? And it, and it doesn't. And it doesn't exist. And unfortunately, the part of the, the problem of this is that is the and it is it is the the world that we exist in the internet now, right? We all know that the problems on coaching today, you have to say, okay, you have a, a real world, then you have an internet world, and this internet world is based upon all too often sales. Right. Guys making 
unbelievable claims based upon, you know, these things that they can do, these exercises, typically with a piece of equipment or something like it. We've heard every ridiculous thing. They're absolutely funny to the most part, but they don't relate to how in sport production, you know, if, you know, the one thing that you always, you know, when I'm coming in and, and coaching with the team, what you have to do is emphasize that. I mean, think of the, the, the most peculiar thing of this is the fact that, that, a strength coach, and this is the, the standard, so it, it's a generalized thing, will talk about often who is going to be the best squat, the best bench press. You'll look at those, those charts on the wall, right? Then the head coach is going to come in, and what he's going to do in spring ball, in July and August, all he's going to do is talk about his team, you know, and he wants them all to work together. They've just been conditioned for six months to think about, me and all this guy wants to tell them is this is tell them you work as a team if you don't do your damn job i'll get someone else in a minute this is hard this fast it's time to grow up you don't need to be coddled how many times I and mean, people ask me often why do i do all these video logs on ethics and values how can you create strong athletes if you're not creating strong men mentally yeah so the the whole industry has kind of been pushed aside because of because of uh, of lacking a true knowledge of the sport and understanding it and focusing its entire attention upon the sales. I mean, you know, you you can look at other sports and they're they're they're, they're even more dramatic as an example uh, of, of of this because I, I was I was talking to a person and uh, a friend of mine who 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 wants to play at a higher uh, level. Uh, within soccer, football, and uh, but he's very, very strong person. I said, look, your problem is that you've looked at this and you're thinking from a standpoint of if I increase my squat, I'm going to all of a sudden kick the ball harder, and I can get someone who weighs, you know, 70 kilos who can sit 60 meters away from the uh, from from the opposite post and try to just graze the post. He's trying to put some touch on it. You might have, you know, a two and a half times body weight squat and can't do it at half that distance. They, yeah. they keep failing to miss this whole idea of how to enhance sport. Now, enhancing sport, now this goes back to the whole functionality. It goes into the entire aspect because once you understand functional training, you'll then start to look at how functional is training when you walk in a commercial gym and it's row after row of exercise equipment. So how are you going to, how does this relate to, say, you know, strengthen your 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 lower levers your foot i mean if, if you watch it you know you can you can look at that and start to say well really everything in functional training starts with strength of the feet strength of the core posterior chain strength and flexibility and whether it be you know whether it be in um sport production or generalized health the other thing is that within sport production i've seen plenty of guys cut with 500 pound plus bench presses, but I've never heard of anyone being cut with too much bend. And that will relate, and, and, and football coaches, and, and for that matter, any strength, any, any uh, sport coach will understand what that means is, I've never seen anyone cut because they've got too much hip flexibility, but I've seen plenty of people cut who they think the sport relates to pulling a bench press onto the field. Well, John, let me ask you a question then. Rob was sort of being uh, devil's advocate a little. I'll just, so you, you obviously value 
specificity, right? I mean, go do yeah. something as close <laughs> as possible. And, and then, but so what, then what is the role of, uh, is, you know, resistance training in a functional way? And why wouldn't a coach just work with his team and say to hell with the weight room or to hell with functional training well, that's that not on the field at all, right? Yeah, now that doesn't mean that, that this is where you get into the other problem because you've got to look at the, the broad basics of it. First of all, you understand that, uh, and I apologize to those who think this is, you know, football training talk show, um, but uh, uh, it's a good example, is the fact that you, you, you look at the majority of situations. Most people will focus in on the top teams, let's say in the NC2A, and the players that they recruit, people have got to understand, that's the pick of the litter. Most people don't even come close to understanding what it's like to, you know, seeing a 205-pound wide receiver who bench presses once a month and he can bang out 20 reps on a, on a two and a quarter chest test. They never even can understand what that's like, right? Uh, but the problem that that most strength coaches have is the level of fitness in in the youth is so poor now that training measures constantly have to be accommodated and simplified. You know, years ago, I used to, because I use a lot of complexes in my training, and years ago, my complexes were, I shouldn't say my complexes, I was using full full Olympic lifts. So a guy would come in and say, okay, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be doing a split snatch, and, you know, uh, a split snatch, and I'm going to be moving to some high box step-ups. Well, because you can't get anyone to go into a split snatch now because their hips are too hips are too hips are too tight, they don't have significant leg drive and their shoulder capsules are weak, they're using such small weight in driving it, you can't even do the exercise, so you have to constantly vary that, right? And this what this comes into is the fact that coaches are constantly shackled with the fact that athletes their hips are too tight, their core is too weak. And unilaterally, their legs are simply not strong enough. That's when you get into, and I even had a, uh, I saw this recently with a, a champion uh, uh, mixed martial artist. He was doing uh, some sort of Olympic lift, and the first thing I said, he's got no legs. He's a great athlete. He, he certainly is a great athlete, but who's ever been coaching him doesn't understand. His legs are so weak. He's doing this, I think it was a, uh, uh, a, a power snatch. He's just basically doing a, you know, a upper body movement, which any coach will see when you work with young high school kids. The power clean is a reverse curl because they just don't generate. So, what most coaches need to do within their functionality is think on the basics of training. You know, looking at compound lifts, looking at compound lifts. Teach the athletes to generate, and this is this is one of these peculiar theories, ideas that I have that I always try to put in people's head. You have to, when you're in your resistance training, you have to generate the movement of the bar, or movement of the weight with a with, uh, with a, a bar that's in your hands with your legs. Try to get across the idea that the bar that's in your hands has the movement has to be generated with your legs. That's a tough one. And if your legs are too weak and out of proportion to your lower body, which is almost across the board true, you're not going to be able to do it. So using uh, what compound kinds of movements, complexes, making things more um, 
you got challenge you challenging from a skill point of view is is the what you'd be suggesting i mean you're talking about yeah. being coach you're not being you're not the main coach you're you're not generating you know you're not the wide receiver coach for example so well, the, in order why, to support why, him you're going to find things that are fairly complex from a motor perspective and try to support him that way is that what kind of what we're saying yeah and absolutely true i mean that that is one of the funniest things i you know the fact that, you know, um, and I've seen many coaches, it was, uh, uh, again, I'll keep the name on it, but, but it's a very well-known school that has used a hit system, right? Um, they've got some of the biggest sets of machinery you walk into their facility, and off campus, I was asked to do a little speaking engagement. And, uh, and they said, well, our coaches say that teaching a snatch lift is hard. And I said, here, kid, hold my coffee. Someone start a snap, the stopwatch. I'll give you a three-step approach, and we'll teach you how to do a close grip snatch in under a minute. And, of course, it was very easy to players to do. And what I said to them, and I said to some of the coaches, look, you're talking about a cornerback who you have to teach him push coverage and push uh, push technique and cover one, and, and the strength coach doesn't understand how complicated that is, that a snatch lift is complicated? Are you kidding me? These athletes can these athletes need, need more, not less. Because they're going to have, you know, the real test of, of all conditioning when you're developing people to excel in, in sport is teaching them how to overcome adversity. You've got to, you know, from a, from a psychological standpoint, you've got to uh, constantly challenge them so that they can be used to tackling adversity, uh, used to overcoming this, but also so that from a very physical standpoint, they're prepared properly because if you, you know, functional training, the idea of functional training understands that there are all these different attributes in physical development, which is why I call a wheel of conditioning. It's a very easy way to visualize it. They all must be developed equal. And if you are not developing equal, you're, de- you're in essence, developing, um, you're developing weak spots because one part of that spoke is going to be weaker. Uh, when you eventually get to the level where you are a intermediate to high, uh, elite level athlete, that's when you start getting very, very specific with your actions. But most people, most people, you know, need to learn how to maintain, maintain posture under duress. You know, that's what people don't understand what strength athletes do. It's just, it's, it's so incredible. Uh, is, and whether or not you compete in it or not, you have to appreciate it is a strength athlete is able to perform a movement technically near perfect while under extreme duress. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's just extraordinary. It's just like, guys, go out and put, go out and put a weight that's too heavy on the bar, that too heavy for you to handle, obviously in a safe situation, and see how you lower yourself, how you lower the bar. You're not going to be able to do it within a second. You're not going to be able to maintain that body posture. Right. You know, we were talking about this just a few weeks ago, that one of the advantages of, of a competition uh, and you know we're we're generally fans of that. Maybe not all the time. I mean, Phil competes a lot. I compete some. Rob competes some. But one of the I think the biggest things is to challenge yourself. And I, I don't know if it was Rob or somebody basically said not just completely go bananas mentally, lose your focus, lose your posture, lose this, lose that. But you know, in a battle situation, make yourself uh, I, step up and perform. You know, in under duress, like you're saying. I really like what you're I, saying with that. I agree with you so heartily. Matter of fact, if you, you know, people look at my workout logs and they say, okay, there's really something wrong with this man. Um, what's he doing this for? I, you know, as you may know, I, um, I compete also in snowboard cross. 
Um, and I, I downhill skateboard, which means I'm probably getting up to around, and, and, and this is just specificity, specificity to a sport that I compete in, I get up to a speed of, roughly speaking, downhill probably around 60 kilometers, uh, you know, so roughly 40 miles an hour on a downhill concrete slope in a, in, in a highway condition. I've got to be really booking. Um, within my weight room, I like to, you know, I, I believe that, you know, rust doesn't settle on moving parts, so I like to squat two or three times a week. I mean, sorry, two or three times a day. Um, they're not, obviously, uh, all heavy lifts, but I'll be doing two, three sessions a day, a four to six set, uh, four to six sets, so that I'm constantly moving and challenging myself when always at a very high fatigue point, which goes into this other idea that overtraining should be accepted as part of your training because it has a super compensatory effect when you pull it back. Because functional training really comes down to this idea of mentally overcoming adversity, physically being able to maintain body posture while under duress, and avoiding adaptation to exercise. Yeah, it's Which, amazing to me, and I know Rob will back me up on this, but and probably Phil, but it's amazing to me that it, you, you take unfit people. I really believe it. You could call me elitist or whatever, but I really think the vast majority of the population, especially today, they we're talking about performing under duress. There's no way. They have no background in it. I mean, and I don't mean education. I mean, they have no experience with it. Things are so have, soft and, and they, controlled that they, you know what I mean? Like you see a natural, a natural disaster. People yeah, are I, helpless. I they stand that. there. They just stand there and die. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd. I don't no, know. No, it is. I totally agree. I, I actually try to, I actually do my best to keep my language relatively, you know, safe for the kids at home right now. Um, but I used to tell people, and I remember this one place I was writing for because I used to tell them, I said, well, you know, when hellfire starts to rain down, that's when people call me. Um, when it's a blue sky and then it's sunny outside, no one wants to talk to me. But when it hits the fan, I deal in chaos all the time. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I talked to a friend of mine. He said he was interested in some doing some code of a non-conforming object lifts. And I said, well, look, this is, that's really how I started training. They didn't have any money. And I said, well, what do you, what do you do? And I said, look, why don't you just jack your car up, take a wheel off and do some snatch lifts with, with the tire. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, John, you know, that's reminiscent. One of the early pictures I saw of you, I think you were doing chins off the end of a front end loader or something like that. I, I still, you know, I do. If you see, I do. The other thing is like, and I don't even know what to call it because I, I do a lot of climbing in trees and I jump from trees. I want everything to be, I can, I can adjust to danger. Um, and that's fine. Um, but if I went into an environment, I mean, you know, a hard workout for me, I suppose would be, the mental aspect of how unchallenging it is to drive to the gym to walk on a treadmill. You know, the business of exercise has destroyed the value of exercise for many, and that's our biggest problem now because people have have been, you know, uh, distorted on what exercise is, how it improves your life, how it stimulates a hormonal impact, how it makes you look at life. And you, you, we can go out and look at that all day long yeah. because it, it's it's bizarre looking at those within our exercise business going. Are we even in the same market? Right. It's not only too controlled. It's not even fun. You know, what's fun about plodding on a treadmill for 60 minutes, you know? And it's also just easy. I mean, I was saying this to Phil. I was saying this to Phil, and I I don't mind saying it publicly. You know, I I got into trouble with people in the kettlebell community because I used to say to them, 
look, I can't charge you $3,000, 3000 American dollars for a weekend certification on something that I could probably, you know, teach you uh, over 20 minutes with a cup of coffee. You know, and the fact that you're really telling me that when we, if we go directly into the kettlebell market, guys are, how do you suggest that a 50 to 75 pound kettlebell doing a clean or a snatch is going to be a challenge to me? Because once you know how to new your, use your legs, that, that's a toy. Yeah. Here's, here's one thing I wanted to touch on real quick, and it's just, it, it's something that might be missed by the listeners, that the fact that John isn't getting down on basically getting strong. It's it's the fact that most people don't need to get stronger because they suck so much at the other skills in their sport <laughs> that they're out of balance. So they're completely um, out of balance. Yeah, so I mean what I'm what I'm getting at is if if you got two athletes that were totally skillful and one was stronger, of course the stronger one's going to win. So if you had a guy that was totally he could not get better at the skill of his sport. He would benefit most by getting stronger. Right. If he could apply gotta, that under duress. Right. I got to give you one example, okay? And I got to clean the name out. I got to clean the name out. There is a very well-known, actually, he's the most well-known draft uh, forecaster, NFL draft forecaster in the industry. We all know who that is. Who suggested a a, a defense lineman years ago was going to be the first round draft pick, and this was in roughly September October when those things first start coming out, right? I took one look at him and I laughed at him and I said he's a dancing bear, and they asked me what's a dancing bear, and I said the dancing bear stands up and he basically plays patty cake with the other guys, but he's got no legs, no hips. Season went by and people are starting to go, this kid's kind of funny, you know, something's wrong with him. And he's no longer a, you know, a top candidate. And he might squeeze in at an All-American, but there's something not right. And I said, he's a dancing bear. After he got selected, as opposed to being projected as the first pick, first of five picks, he went in the seventh round. He didn't make it out of August and was never seen of again because he didn't have hip flexibility. And this is, you know, and this is what coaches, you know, don't understand. If you take a guy and, you know, if you can, like a friend of mine used to say, like, I love the classic Olympic lifts. They're amazing. But you need to have hip flexibility. You need to have tremendous leg drive. You know, if you can't overhead squat your body weight 10 pounds, 10 times, there is issues with your development. There is significant issues with your development. I believe in developing explosively powerful athletes such that they dictate the game. They dictate the ebb and flow of the game. But you've got to have every all the different things. And you also, and we all know this right now, because some of the characters in this in sport now are really not great examples. You've got to develop strong people, like strong, mentally strong people, and good people. The sport is supposed to teach something of value. But strength is extremely important, but so are all the other attributes. Okay. We'll get back to our discussion on mental and physical strength after just a few messages. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. 
Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference, where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there, like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think we were talking the other week about how it's stacking cards in your favor, right? You want to stack as many cards in your favor as possible. And let's face it, yeah, if you can generate huge amounts of muscular force, that's a few more cards in your deck, you know. Yeah, and if you and if you if you don't focus in on it, remember probably the the greatest weaknesses, and I appreciate your opinions on this. The greatest weakness that I see is, and in, in regardless of your sport, any of them, is hip flexibility core stability, leg drive, foot, you know, the the control of the foot, the control of the foot, tensile strength in the foot, the arch itself, and and obviously this all, I mean, once you put all those together, that relates to posture. These people can't, most people can't maintain posture. You can go out and watch watch an athlete walk, and you can figure out who's going to be better. Yeah. No, I I mean, I agree. I think it's... I think you hit on it 100%. I mean, I think it's a large thing that the whole population fights is that they don't they don't realize that form follows function. And I've had more than one person come into me and they're like, well, man, I want to train. I want to look like this and this athlete. And they don't understand that, you know, to get there, you're not going to do the, the training in Flex Magazine. You should probably, if you want to look like an MMA fighter, you should probably train like one. And it's likely the fastest way to get you there. Maybe try and get in the ring. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think is interesting, Phil, what you were just touching on is I think it might have been Ian King or somebody who was talking about the huge mistake of a lot of athletes is they're trying to tr- look like bodybuilders. They train like bodybuilders. They look like bodybuilders. You know, Rob and I were laughing that a lot of bodybuilders, they can't even run 40 meters without, you know, tearing their hamstring or something. But John's taking this a step further even. And he's saying, you know, even beyond strict bodybuilding, you know, hypertrophy kinds of controlled eccentric movements or whatever it is. John's actually saying even strength training itself can be a waste of time when it's applied in, in the wrong direction. Well, but it, it is a total waste. You, hear, you, you brought up the point of bodybuilders. Um, you know, when I would always tell a guy, I would always tell guys, you know, when you see a program, when you see a program that involves bodybuilding techniques, make sure you have the players extend their arms and take out their bicep. You'll rip a guy's bicep. You'll chop it down in a second. Let him grab a hold of your jersey, chop it down. He's not going to be using his arms again. He might be done for the season. When you watch a guy run track, when tra- do his track deals, if you're if you're a DB, watch the other team if you're watching the wide receivers before and they're doing their track drills. If they've got really good track drill technique, oh, well, give him an extra two, three yards in the cushion because he won't be able to break down. And because the way his arms are going to pump, every NFL scout knows this. When you watch a wide receiver pump his arms like he's in track, he's not going to be able to run the fade, uh, run the fade or the go if he gets pushed. If as soon as you, as soon as you basically touch anything on his arms, his entire movement carriage is off. And you can furthermore 
watch how he runs because he'll change the angle between his hand to his shoulder when he's trying to break down. That's your cue on when you start breaking your cut to, to, to tighten the cushion. Yeah. It's, it's so remarkable in the fact that this is allowed to happen, but this is, it's happened because the business, the business of training, and it doesn't have any functionality. Now, this goes into the same thing within everyday way of life. Look at, look at how we look at the average public. The average public, all it really has to do is, I mean, just people looking at being healthy and being stronger is look to train to maintain body posture. And whatever that may maintain their body posture, and if you said, okay, I'm going to do a basic bunch of drills that's going to increase the strength of your posterior chain, your hip flexibility, your foot strength, and then we're going to squat because, you know, you got to squat. Um, once you do that, you're going to be fine and dandy. But they don't. They go through these ridiculous classes. They go through these ridiculously planned boot camp classes. They get sold ideas that every piece of equipment is the panacea, and they're far from it. Yeah. You know what, John? I'd like to have you on a future episode so we could just talk about the industry because there are so many parallels, I think, when you're talking about the, the internet world, whether it's strength coaches and, and, you know, they're what I call, you know, um, proprietary systems, you know, or it's the nutrition sure. gurus. It's the same thing. Sales drive what they say. And they can't even alter their conclusions as they move along because they could be invalidating a book that they have on the market. You know what I mean? So like a good, a good scientist or a good coach, I think says, Hey, I've got a new series of observations here. I'm going to adjust what I've been thinking. You know, that's a logical person would do. But a lot of these gurus, whether it's a strength guru or a nutrition one, they can't go back on something they speculated on before. And because they preached it as fact and they're charging people hundreds of dollars for it. Hundreds of dollars. It's thousands. I mean, think of, I, I know myself, I have done my business financial statement considerable harm by telling people exercise is simple. Because what you're supposed to tell people is, oh, guys, lifting this kettlebell, ooh, that 55-pound kettlebell, that 75-pound kettlebell is really hard. I'm not sure when I'm 70 if I'll have less than a double body weight squat. So please don't challenge or think that a, a 75 kettlebell is going to be any sort of challenge, even remotely. Right. I, I actually posted on YouTube a kettlebell swing thing, and some guy said to me, you're not really driving from the hips. And I said, how am I with, and I think it was a 55-pound kettlebell, how am I supposed to do a, a kettlebell, a cutesy little kettlebell swing with a 55-pound bell and make it look hard? I refuse to open less than two plates, and I'll always squat more than double body weight. I'll take it a personal offense if it's less than 250% of my body weight. Um, I don't care how old I am. Um, so what, how, how am I supposed to do submaximal explosive work? If I let go of this thing, I'm going to rocket this thing way off camera. Yeah. And you're going to see venom like, trust me, darling, you've never seen before. <laughs> John, John, how old are you? Can you tell listen? I, I'm 24 plus. 24 plus. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a separate category. I just want everybody to know John's not a kid. And when he talks oh, about I am. some I'm plus. When he talks about some of these performances, you know, uh, I can only hope that, you know, when I'm, you know, 24 plus, that I'm that functional. That's all. Any, any, person, any person can be. That's the whole thing. We're making things so complicated. But it's not that it doesn't get the sale. And the sad thing about this is the fact that everyone is doing, uh, using the old expression, this is just a short con. We've got 
you know, the, the biggest problem in the English-speaking world, and I work worldwide, is the fact that the problems of exercise are really focused on the English-speaking world. That's the real problem. That's the biggest problem. The English-speaking world is where, you know, we're not worried of, oh, yeah, let's discuss your macronutrients. No, can I convince you people not to eat something that, you know, that comes out of a piece of styrofoam? Right, yeah. You know, just like what kind of genius, you know, does this? And if you didn't have so much money and, you you know, so much money that you just went to a gym, that you just wanted to do high box step offs off of a box in your in the garage and in, in your backyard at a park, you'd be much better off. But no, you've got to go to this, you know, X hundred dollar a month gym or whatever it may be to use some fancy piece of equipment. But you can't hold posture while stepping up on a box. John, yes. what are your what are your feelings on the triceps kickback? <laughs> <laughs> Smart I, ass. I got to tell you, this is really great. This is really great. Um, someone asked me. Someone asked me recently, "Can you tell you? Can I get your measurements?" And I said, "Okay, first of all, that feels really dirty coming from a guy. Um, secondly, it's just like there. Are, you know, one of my favorite things that I ever did." In the bit, because I'm a horrible practical joker, um, is I released an article on my email list. This is many years ago. I said, um, "Free for you, big bad manly arms." Right, and something like the the skin that you love to touch. And uh, I was overblown by a response of you know guys wanting to hear big bad manly arms, and the fact that I said it's look guys, I've never you know. You know, measured my biceps in the world. No one's ever going to be impressed by it. Um, besides that, but the fact is that, uh, you know, most of these things relate to uh, very simple and training, relate to very simple measures, but no one wants to hear simple things anymore. They want something wild, sexy, and crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you went out, if you went out and told, told people that I'm going to teach you at the, you know, uh, a friend of mine who brought his, uh, sons to a clinic of mine, probably around something like 2002. I told them, and I think they were, I'm a guess, one of them was around eight years of age at the time, is that if you teach him now the basics of learning how to overhead squat and how to do a split snatch, he's always going to be healthy. And he's always going to be far, you know, well advanced of his peer group as an athlete because he's going to have hip flexibility, he's going to be generating force from his lower body. And you start doing that, and it's just you're, you're stacking these dysfunction because training sports-specific, I mean sports-specific, sports mastery is based upon a huge foundation of fundamental skills and then having a skill set like a pyramid that rests on top of it. Most people aren't even building that, that foundation. They're, they're coming in there trying to do their, what they're one-footed, with one foot on a, a balance ball and doing a twisting med ball action when they can't even squat, Right. Right. I, I, I was waiting for you to go off about the instability stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but what about the triceps kickback? Yeah. He, he dodged the question because I think he's all about it. Yeah, I I'm think he all is. about it. Yeah, just, <laughs> all about the big guns. About the big manly guns. That's just terrible. That's just horrible. It's actually scary when you get all these people replying to an anonymous email wanting to find out about manly arms. No, uh, you know what? <laughs> Phil <laughs> Phil was doing that just a few weeks ago with a supplement, the, the what, Get Swole XL or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and I got a, emails. I got a couple of emails. Know. And again, if you're listening, dude, I, it, we're just we're just joking, you know. Yeah. It's all a good thing. 
but I got yeah, a couple. People... I got I got a couple of emails about you know, I, were you guys serious? Because I'm sort of interested. Yeah, I got several asking me where they could get it. Yeah, that's 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 uh, bitter sarcasm, people. It actually is, and my favorite was that one of the guys, and I'll keep his name out of it, is known as a big name in the MA community. This big, tough guy. And, I mean, it was a very questionably worded email. Like, I mean, we were just, like, we, we could barely hit the enter. Like, we're talking about manly arms with the skin that loves it, the, the hand that loves to touch the skin. It's like, oh, th- this is just wrong. Yeah. Not the fact. It was also put on an, an April Fool's Day, and virtually everyone bought into it. Yeah. Well, you know, I suppose, I mean, Phil did a good job in, in that sort of parody that he did. And I bet you did, too. I mean, I think sometimes if you're too clever – your, the sarcasm is so dry, it does sound real. You know, <laughs> people bite on it for real, you know. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't actually, they don't get it because everyone in this industry um, wants to think, make things sound so complicated. And the truth is, this was all the iron game. You know, um, uh, you know, when I, you know, growing up, you know, in the training room, everyone, no one ever thought that this would actually become a business. No one ever thought that there would be, besides, you know, the Internet community where if I knew this, I would have been walking around with a camera strapped onto my back when I was, you know, 15 years of age. As you walk into, you know, into a weight room and you've got guys who are now talked about as legends, right? And they would commonly ask you. This iron game was a beautiful thing because it was a fraternity of guys. He'd walk into and there'd be one guy training for a major bodybuilding competition. There would be a couple of old guys who sitting in the corner in a rocking chair. Um, we'd come out and do a couple of sets now and then, and they'd talk about you know when they competed in such and such games or whatever it may be, and everyone shared knowledge. Now everyone wants to come out and say, oh, well, you're doing a, and they give some silly name to an exercise. Oh, by the way, guys, that's a front squat followed by a push press, right? Yeah. You know, and is, does everything have to be about the quick sale for you guys? Because if you don't realize this, you're, you're chewing away at the nation's, or actually the world's health. Because people now have to spend a fortune to learn, oh, by the way, this is how you pick out vegetables in your grocery store. And if you eat those, you'll be health- healthy. Right, and or they're they're, they're paying a dietitian $75 an hour or more to be told that, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's because of the whole um, you know, advent of monthly muscle publications, right? I mean, there always has to be something to report, but, but in truth – um, new quote unquote things to report are so few or far between between at this point that you know it's, it, it makes it non feasible to have a monthly publication um, yeah, that's two hundred fifty three hundred yes. pages. So they fill it with stuff that's just like you say, big guns for you, and you know, like twenty days to freaking rock solid abs, like you know, and, and they keep rehashing the same crap and they keep perpetuating all the nonsense that you're speaking of, because by the way, I'm not contradicting anything you say here. I'm just saying it, it's, it, 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 you know, the whole, and then of course the supplement industry that, you know, use as its medium and platform for success, you know, muscle publications, um, they do the same thing, right? They even take it to a further degree. So, I mean, the whole industry is just bogged down with overexpensive products and rehashed ideas and information. And in a lot of, in a lot of content, context um non-applicable um yeah. information it's a good people. point rob you know what i remember reading back in the early 80s i actually learned quite a bit of physiology but with a grain of salt but you know reading muscle magazines and just picking out what i could before they sort of degraded into an ad you know but well, like I you're mean, saying now the the, the facts and the, the real tidbits are further and further far between and there's more and more of the hype 
because, you know, a certain collection of words together gets more hits on a website or, you know, more people grabbing the magazine and it becomes more about the popularity factor than the truth factor. I don't well, the, 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 as we know, the publications, major publications, um, besides the fact often the people, they're, they're as vested interested in their releases. The articles um, often come from people who no one has ever seen if they've done any work or they're merely a business entity. And the fact that when articles are written with organic SEO, as opposed to someone just coming out there and talking about what they do, it, you can you can say the same thing over and over again with you can say the same thing over and over again with different wordings, and it's fine because that's what education really is. Because you say things differently, everyone has been saying whatever it may be, but you can say it. But unfortunately, what they've done is they've tried to create this whole business that makes it absolutely preposterous. Uh, and unfortunately, that's when you come back into the whole functionality because, you know, when, when Phil and I started talking, you know, I, I'm pretty proud in the fact that people have said, okay, this, whether it's true or not, I'm the, you know, the person who developed functional training, whatever it may be. But what it's seen as now is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's absolutely comedic what you see people talking about in functional training. If I talk to, you know, I can go into, I went into a major NC2A program recently, and they wanted me to say, well, what should we do? And I looked at them as far as complexities and as far as like, well, I think you should be cleaning, you know, power cleaning on Mondays. And uh, I think what we're going to do is we'll, we'll, we'll work in push jerks on Wednesdays, maybe splits later on once we get it. We're going to do some snatches on Fridays, and we're going to squat every single day that, and everything else. and Because that's all you guys can handle. You don't need anything complex. And that's going to be very functional for you and purposeful. But unfortunately, the, the, the bar has been set so unbelievably low that this is what people think. I mean, you know, go out and take a look at, go out and take a look at, you know, exam, a perfect example is the kettlebell market. The kettlebell market, people sit there wild looking at someone doing a kettlebell. Why don't you guys just get some rebar, wrap it with duct tape, um, throw it into a PVC pipe and a thick bar, and there's your gym at home. Yeah. And work on doing, you know, your snatches, um, your power snatches, and a split snatch. And I'll see you in eight months. Right. You know, I saw a guy in the gym three days ago, a young guy, 30 years old, uh, looked to be in moderate uh, athletic condition. He was just doing uh, just free bar squats. Not free bar squats, sorry. No bar squats, just uh, body weight squats. He wasn't even going very low. Hmm. Because they don't have any flip flexibility, they don't understand it. They don't even understand how you know the, the super compensatory effect of having a bar on your back and eliciting movement properly, of being able to you know those first stages when you're saying, okay, this kid's got a little bit of something now. He he can squat twice his body weight. Yeah, I, I can afford a cup of coffee on him right now. Um, okay, I, I, I'd like. Yeah, I was like only br- I was only bringing that up. Sorry, I just I, I, it might have came out of left field. I'm only bringing that up because it kind of goes to what somebody you were saying actually 10, 15 minutes ago about the whole concept of like what are you doing? Like yeah. I mean, when this when this cat walks up a flight of stairs, you know, every step he's taking is probably like you know, um, you know, several times more you know intense than him standing in a gym, you know, with his arms crossed in front of his chest doing you know just body weight squats halfway down. Sure. It's just, uh, it's just, absolutely. it's just madness. Like, it's like, what are you doing, man? You know, like, go home. Well, I think that's um, why, that's why we got to have an episode with, with John and maybe even a couple other people and talk about 
you know, the way that marketing starts to twist all of this stuff and be, things become, um, you know, like proprietary, everything is like IP, you know, and like John says, you know, I, I guess people like us are we're wasting giant amount of money by just doing this podcast for free. But honestly, we've had everything from NFL, uh, you know, advisors to professors send us emails and be like, thanks so much for this stuff, guys. It's almost like a public radio kind of thing. And, you know, and that's why we're doing it, because there's so much crap in the industry. Everything is spun towards a, a company's or an individual's ends, you know, that the the, the truth never gets heard. So there, there is actually very little. There is actually very little that comes out in the major publications that is even worthy of, you know, reading at your grocer free. It, it's it's all garbage um, and, you know, garbage going in and garbage coming out. You know, a good friend of mine years ago said it's not that, you know, the athletes and he's very right are poor grade um, or, or, uh, or, or derelict of their duties in the sense that they've got no, you know, they've got no teachers. And, and, and this is where I believe the fact that it's, you know, it isn't a problem of the individual. It's that there is no leadership in this thing because all the leadership, all the leadership is being garnered, if you want to call it leadership, by those who have the power of the media and corrupting the ideas of how athletes train. Because no matter what is, whether or not, you know, whether or not a guy is a, a, a you know, a super heavyweight power lifter or a, you know, a, you know, a 70 pound, a 70 kilo uh, soccer player, we're all athletes. We all make use of resistance training. We're all trying to better performance. But unfortunately, the way the public perceives it is all these short visualizations and what they get this idea of what the person involves, right? Yeah, you know, there's sort of a dumbing down, I think, in general that makes me very sad. Uh, in it's the a massive it's, dumbing down. It's a, yeah. ma- it's a massive dumbing down. Go out and go out and talk to go out and talk to young guys bodybuilding and say, okay, so how many of you guys started your back workout with uh, snatch grip deadlifts and close grip pull ups? And they're going to look at you like you're out of your mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because all the classic lifts, all the classic ideas, all the approaches are gone. They, they've been they've been changed because of the industry. You walk into commercial gyms, they're shot. Then you get in the athletic areas that you've got a a group of coaches, and you see this now with a group of coaches who think by doing more reps it's going to be bad, and they fail to understand that you know that that's one other problem of the modern in the last five years. This idea of well, if I can do if I can do three reps of this exercise, maybe I can do five, and maybe one day I can do fifty reps of this exercise. As opposed to not understanding for, for they're not even impacting the correct, it's not impacting the physiology where they was meant to, or for that matter, it's repetitive stress syndrome, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get guys who are supposed to be experts in this field saying, oh, I'm going to go out and do some swings. I'm going to do four minutes and five minutes of swings. What that? Do you not, did you not learn anything in your basic exercise class? What exactly is that doing for you? Right. Other than inflaming the same joint, yeah. If you're playing the same joint, and if you can, if you can do a ballistic, and if you're doing a ballistic exercise in submaximal, in extreme submaximal levels, what exactly is that? I've never been able to figure that one out. What submaximal explosive work? Yeah. I mean, how, how do you go out and, and lift a light weight, very with low intensity, and say that with very low intensity? 
and yet explosive. Right. It, do, it doesn't fit. You right. Lift no, it a, does, you know, that does seem like an oxymoron, yeah. Yeah, that, well, it is. I mean, you know, exercise, lifting a weight, and I hate to make this all sound like lifting weights because it's, it's more than that. But, you know, exercise, as far as I've been able to figure out, you're either raising, raising a weight, lowering a weight, or keeping it steady. And if you really figure it, it's either pushing, pulling, pushing, pulling, pressing, squatting, lunging, or extending. Bang, you're done. You're either weight, lifting a heavy weight slowly for low repetitions, a light weight explosively fast for relatively low repetitions, or you're doing this, you know, repetitive, uh, repetitive uh, repetitions um, action for, for other means. But it's not that complicated. But they want to make everything sound complicated now because it's the selling of it. That's a, that's a good, that's a good summary, I think, for this call. Cause the whole thing you've been saying, John, is keep it simple. You know, it's, you're right. You're, you're bursting a lot of financial bubbles saying push, pull, lunge. You know, that's it. You know, don't want to, don't want to, you know, uh, <laughs> hurt anybody's feelings here. But how many different ways can you analyze this? You know, it's simpler than the message that you're usually getting. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good it's, philosophy. It's actually, it's, it's so simple, you know, because the average person and even the average coach, if they wanted to go out and put together, and it's a very functional, purposeful training facility, go out and say, what we're going to do is we're going to get some simple bars, fit our budget, maybe some medicine balls, or we're going to do buddy carries. And we're going we're, we're to always ensure that we're able to overcome adversity. We're going to be able to maintain posture, under underdress, and we're going to train the athlete to move in an explosively fast manner such that they dictate competition. You're going to excel. If the public would make, use that as well, they will not only improve the quality of their life, um, but they're going to find uh, they're going to not only improve their health, overall health, but they're going to improve their overall quality of life. And they're going to be able to maintain, they're going to be able to respond to adversity. You look at the way people respond to adversity now, it's, or do not respond to adversity. It's appalling. And a lot of it comes down to exercise. Sport has the ability to shape society in both good and bad. And right now, it's not doing its job. And the same thing goes to the exercise world. The exercise world, we, we, we have the ability to enhance the quality of the public's life. We're missing the boat. All right, guys. Well, that's that's some good info. A lesson in simplicity Absolutely. from from Coach Davies there. Well, I think you hear it time and time again. I think more uh, the the most of the people we have on are very much preaching damn near the same thing. And I think it's probably because we're having some of the stand up people in the industry on. So that's that, true. Yeah, yeah. And me too. All right. Okay. Well, it's a good show. Thanks. Cool, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for having me. It really was a pleasure. Okay. Thank you very much. Good night, guys. Good night. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, good night. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So for more information, go to www.theissn.org. IronRadio.org is accepting donations. If you like what we do, interviewing coaches, professionals, professors, uh, powerlifters, bodybuilding athletes, uh, natural and open competitors, all of these different topics, uh, the physiology, the news, um, we really try to follow a public radio style of format. 
then consider making a donation. You can just go to our homepage, www.ironradio.org, and click the donation button or click the subscribe button, which is really just a way to uh, submit $4 a month in a recurring way and be a supporting member. We have, we have a growing list of supporting members. Thank you so much, guys. In fact, your mugs are on the way for a limited time now. We have a, a limited number of thank you mugs that say, I support Iron Radio. So please uh, consider becoming a, a supporting member or just making a one-time donation uh, so we can continue to provide the programming uh, and stay on the air. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.